Uh, how many know uh, what February the 2nd is? February the 2nd. It's, it's Groundhog Day. Now, who doesn't know what Groundhog Day is? No idea. Okay, so Miss Abby in the front. You're, others probably don't either. How many of you say, I don't know what Groundhog Day is? Okay, so we have just a couple of people. And I actually thought, I don't mean to embarrass her, but I was thinking, Abby in Australia, probably not a big deal, Groundhog Day. You don't have Groundhog Day. Okay, that is like breaking my heart. Okay. <laughs> so if I were to say to you, and I'm going to use you like as an illustration, but you're not the only one, so don't be embarrassed. There's, there's at least um, a couple of other people. And, I'm, and my guess is, just so you know, my guess is there's a number of people here who know what Groundhog Day is, but don't know what it means. Okay? So if I were to tell you, hey, guess what? The groundhog saw his shadow. How many of you can tell me exactly what that means? How many of you say, I'm not really sure what it means? Okay, now, I think a lot of us, yeah. And you say, do you know? Well, yeah, because I Googled it like 10 minutes ago, okay? <laughs> if the groundhog, this is not true, by the way. If the groundhog sees his shadow, allegedly what is true? We have, we have more winter, a longer winter coming. And Donna, it said in what I looked up, six weeks. Six weeks more of winter if the groundhog sees its shadow. I don't know if it's a he or a her. And if it's a he, thank you. Okay. Yeah, we want to, we want to be specific. It, it, that's right, yeah. It's not what it feels like. Okay. And if the groundhog doesn't see his shadow, then that means what? Early spring, Barb, very good, you got it, that's exact, at least that's what my website said, very good. So here's the point, and I, I hope this works. I could come to you and say, behold, the groundhog saw his shadow. And my guess is a lot of people would say, I don't know what that means. Maybe I've even heard of it, but I don't know what it means. So I want you to go back in time to a time when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And my guess is some people would have said, What's that mean? The Lamb of God. Like, what does that mean? And then he actually, to fill it out, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're going through a series that we've called The Names of God. And we're now actually calling, what, covering what a lot of people would call titles, uh, as well as names. They're, they're certainly related. And tonight's study is on Jesus being the Lamb of God. And I hope that if you did know exactly what it meant, and everything we cover is review, I hope it'll encourage you with a good review tonight. And it might be that you're thinking about it tonight in a newer way, and I hope that would encourage you as well. Okay. What does it mean, Jesus is the Lamb of God? Let's start uh, with our first point. John the Baptist recognized that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And so we see that in John chapter 1 and verse 29. I'll have the verses on the screen. The next day he, that would be John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John 1.29. And if we fast forward a half dozen verses farther, again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. 
Now, I think for a lot of people, they would have said, what's that mean? You know, and again, I don't want to, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all by using the groundhog illustration uh, to the Lord. Yet, even as some people would say, groundhog, shadow, so what, lamb of God, what's that mean? Well, remember, this would have been to a Jewish audience, a Jewish context, these early believers, typically Jewish, they had a background that they were influenced by. And they maybe would understand that more quickly than some of us. You say, how? Number two, and these points are like really long, and I apologize they're lengthy tonight, but number two. See, if you're from a Jewish background, second point, you would remember you knew your Old Testament and you knew your Jewish traditions. Moses commanded Jewish families to observe Passover with a lamb celebrating the redemption that came through the blood of the lamb. See, we all know what Christmas is. We all know what Easter is. Now, we don't really celebrate Groundhog Day, obviously, but a Jewish family they knew what Passover was. I mean, that was like in their calendar. They were very familiar with what Passover was and what it reminded them of. It was both an event that took place way back, but it's something they continue to celebrate. So I read from Exodus 12, verses 21 and 22. Moses speaking, the Lord instructing Moses to tell the people, Go and take for yourselves lambs, according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is at the basin to the lintel and the doorpost. And I remember when I first read in the Bible, I wasn't really sure what that word lintel meant, but kind of like the top of the doorframe, horizontal type of thing. Put the blood, smear it, if you will, apply it, both sides of the door and the lintel, keep reading, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. So again, just to remind us all, God's people, the Jewish people, they are in bondage to the Egyptians, and there's going to come a time, it's about to come, where the firstborn will be put to death, but when he, the Lord, sees the blood on the lintel and the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. So if, again, we're talking about a Jewish audience, we are reminded every year we would celebrate Passover. And we would be reminded again and again that there was a time where there was a lamb and you would do this every year. And the lamb would be sacrificed. And it would be a reminder of what happened previously. That God's people took a lamb, sacrificed it, and then applied the blood. So that judgment would pass over them. So this would have meaning for them. And no doubt they would hear that in what John the Baptist was saying. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And yet something even more. Number three tonight. If we were all from a Jewish background, again, we would know our Old Testaments well, and we would know Isaiah well. You know, and unless your first name is Ward, 
most of us don't know our Old Testaments like we should, right? We kind of read more of the New Testament. And then when we have questions, we ask Pastor Ward. Well, back in the day, obviously, they didn't have a New Testament. And so they would know very well this wonderful prophecy uh, from Isaiah. And if, if I were to ask you what's one of the chapters of Isaiah you know, it would be chapter 53. Isaiah prophesied that a coming Messiah would bear the sin of many like a lamb being led to the slaughter. And actually, it was kind of rough to try to narrow this down to just a, a more select group of verses. But verse 6, Isaiah 53, the whole chapter is wonderful. All of us like sheep have gone astray. I think we're familiar with that. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So I'm a sheep, I've gone astray, but the Lord takes our sin and places it on him. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. This him, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. And then it continues on. We jump down more to the end of the chapter of Isaiah 53, verse 12. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. You say, okay, so, so what was that all about? Again, the point, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah, the coming Messiah, he would come and he would bear the sin of many like a lamb led to the slaughter. So we think back to our national history, if we were at that time, and we would celebrate Passover thinking about a lamb and the shedding of its blood in the application. And then we look forward to a coming Messiah, and that coming Messiah would somehow be like a lamb led to the slaughter. And we as believers, of course, would say, and that's a picture of Jesus. And sometimes, you know, we struggle, like, is this a picture of Jesus or not? Or am I reading that in there? Is it really there? This is one of the places where it's absolutely crystal clear, no debate. That's number four. Because in the New Testament, Philip confirmed that the Isaiah prophecy was about Jesus. So no debate on this one. And that's from Acts chapter 8. And we see that beginning in verse 30. This is a story Many of you know, the Ethi we call it the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And so he's up in the chariot. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. We continue Acts 8.32. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. And here it is. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Isaiah 53. And it goes on, but I, I cut it off there just for time's sake. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from that scripture, Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus to him. So we know beyond the shadow of doubt that yes, that was a prophecy of Jesus who would come as a lamb led to the slaughter. A lamb who would take away the sin of the world. 
a lamb, John the Baptist understood this. And when we heard it, if we were in that day, we would know what John the Baptist meant because of Passover and because of Isaiah. But there's more. Not only do we read our New Testament in Acts and see that Philip confirmed that Isaiah prophesied of Jesus, we continue to read our New Testaments and we read passages like 1 Peter chapter 1 where Peter affirmed that, yes, Jesus was the unblemished, spotless lamb whose precious blood redeems us. Peter writes in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And of course, many of you know that all the Old Testament imagery of how that lamb that was being offered uh, could not be a diseased lamb, an imperfect lamb, but it had to be worthy of being a sacrifice, right? Of a lamb, Jesus, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So Peter affirmed that Jesus, yes, he was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, which takes us to our final point tonight, number six. So God's people rejoice in the person and work of Jesus, the lamb that was slain. And a couple verses from Revelation 5, I hope, will encourage us. We read in Revelation 5, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain. And our former pastor, Dr. Custer, I remember whenever he was mentioned this text, he would always uh, just draw great attention to that. The lamb is slain. A slain land, lamb is not supposed to be standing. But the slain lamb is standing. The Lord Jesus Christ, as we know, risen from the dead. And then Revelation 5, 9. And it says they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done uh, through his work as the Lamb of God. And you say, how did he do that? He was slain and he shed his blood. And from, I know at least occasionally this will come up. You know, some people say we're saved by the death of Christ or we're saved by the blood of Christ. And some people will try to say, could you have had a death without the shedding of blood? Could you have had the shedding of blood uh, without death? But just notice they're both here in this text. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. And the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is him dying on the cross for our sins in our place, including the shedding of his blood. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And then Revelation 5.12, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold the lamb of God. And so when, when, when John pointed Jesus out and said that, it should be that for most Jewish people, at least those who are, oh, what shall I say, observant Jews, they would know what he meant. They, it, w it wouldn't be like somebody from Australia, not trying to embarrass anybody, saying, 
a groundhog, what does that mean, okay? And it would be like, hey, I know what that means. I've read Exodus. We celebrate Passover. I know what Isaiah 53 is about. And then for us in the New Testament, we see that confirmed with Philip in Acts 8, with the writings of Peter, and we look forward to that day where we will be giving praise and glory to the Lamb that was slain, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can consider tonight yet another wonderful title of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you that Jesus, Lord, went to that slaughter voluntarily. Lord, no one had to drag him there or pull him there. He went because he wanted to die on a cross for our sins. He wanted to fulfill your will. He always did those things that pleased you. And we are so grateful for Jesus. We pray that you would encourage us as we continue through this week. May these thoughts, these texts come back to our mind as we rejoice that our sin is forgiven as we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.